And the whole idea of being strategic is recognizing that we have limited resources and we have a purpose. And so we have to align our resources to our purpose because again, John chapter 15, verse eight, you know, you can tell if you're a disciple by your fruitfulness. And I think that applies to me personally, but it also applies to us corporately, applies to our ministries, applies to your parish. And so you better know what fruit looks like. We know what busyness looks like. And that same chapter talks about the vine and the branches uh, and, and the fruit. And so often people talk about, I say, hey, how are things at your church? Oh man, we're busy. And they talk about all the ways they're busy. And it's like, those are the branches. What fruit is becoming? Have you made any new disciples? So that that's a problem then in terms of PPC and, and leadership team, pastoral council and leadership team, that you don't want to be just handing over things to keep people busy. It needs to be real things that will align with your purpose and help you achieve that. Welcome to the Huntley Leadership Podcast helping leaders be a positive catalyst in the people they support, the organizations they serve, and the communities they live. This podcast will make you think, laugh, and grit your teeth with new determination to make your parish or business a place of transformation, passion, and purpose. If you're still breathing, you are powered for impact. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Leadership Podcast. It's Lorraine and I are so glad to be here talking to you about a very important topic, which is parish pastoral councils and leadership teams. How do they play together anyway? It can be incredibly confusing, confusing and I'm thinking this this episode is, is specifically geared towards churches that are, are trying to be missional. In other words, trying to make new Christians, trying to make a difference, trying to push back the, the cultural pressure and, 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 and the things that are causing churches to shrink and be irrelevant in so many people's lives. If that's your goal, if that's your heart, if that's the trajectory you're on, then you're probably thinking about or already leading out of a team, in which case this podcast is going to be so, so helpful for you. And so welcome to the show and thanks for coming back. Lorraine, what's your perspective? Like, do you see this stuff? Do you hear this stuff in terms of leadership team, parish pastoral council? Absolutely. It's funny you should mention that, Ron, because just this week I've been in contact with two parishes and they were both asking the same question. One of the parishes I was working with, they've had a PPC for a fair while and they're just in the process of forming a senior leadership team and they're trying to work out what does the PPC do and what does the senior leadership team do. And the PPC is actually a little bit cross or um, put off a bit or feeling unvalued because yeah. um, the the priest in that parish has decided to get this leadership team together. Um, mm. Yeah. And, and then another parish that I was speaking to, they've had their senior leadership team for a while and they've been asked by their diocese to form a parish pastoral mm. council. And they don't really know what they're going to get the parish pastoral council to do. So it just seems to me that it's an area that uh, we're all a little bit confused about maybe. Has that been your experience? Yeah. And it's funny, like, Ron, like, why haven't you done a podcast like this before? Because it's an issue. It's like, I don't know. I like to avoid it as much as the rest of you, but it, it really is an important conversation. You know, when you talk about that first group, oh, well, actually both those scenarios are so cool because the first group is like, well, aren't we good enough? Like, yeah. haven't we done a good enough job? Like, don't we matter? And so I get it. That would be hurtful. And and then the other folks are like, what? Like, is, are we just doing this for a token to please the bishop? Like, oh, this is so unnecessary. And and so the more clarity we bring to the, today's episode, I think, is going to help a lot of people. And, and as we share this, I just want you to know, if you're listening to this, we don't have all the answers, but we certainly have opinions. And so I'm gonna, <laughs> we're going to share some thoughts and perspective with you from our experiences. But it doesn't mean that you don't come up with better ideas. And so this will help the conversation. But, you know, please don't beat your priest up or your bishop up with this, say, well, that's what Ron and Lorraine said, because listen, let's, we, we have to figure this stuff out together. You know your context, you know your people. And so take this conversation into that, that perspective and, and trust your mm. leadership. You know, so I'll mm. just say that as a starting point. So, yeah. Yeah. So what do you think the source of the confusion is, Ron? Like there's obviously confusion around, yeah. we agree about that, but what's, what's mm. the source of it? 
I think you brought up something, you know, it's new. Like the whole idea of working out of a leadership team is new. Uh, yeah, I remember years ago working with a pastor and, and he would travel and every time he'd come home, he'd have new ideas. And, you know, the staff was already working like crazy to bring about the ideas. And we had a parish pastoral council at the time and he came up with new ideas and it would just cause chaos and disorder <laughs> when you bring these new ideas. And I remember saying to him at one point, who are your people? Like, it can't be all these international people. So every time you hear a good idea or read a good book, you just insert it in into what we're already doing. It doesn't work. It's discouraging. It's disheartening. You need a group of people around you that care about this parish and the vision as much as you do so that you can discern these ideas, not just inflict them on everybody because it's causing disengagement. Uh, and it took several years before that actually came to pass. But if you're not doing that, it makes it really hard. But I guess part of the confusion is it's new. Mm. And so when something's new, it's like, well, what do we do with this? You know, it's like you bring a little kitten home to your to your 10-year-old dog and looks at this kitten and says, what the heck is this? What am I supposed to do with this? And in many ways, that's how the leadership team can feel in a parish that uh, has a parish pastoral council. It's like, why? Mm. So and, why and so really, Why? Yeah. I think at the end of the day, we're trying to be, you know, John chapter 15, verse eight, you can tell you're my disciple by your fruitfulness. Mm. Are we fruitful? You know, um, my wife, Nicole, converted to Catholicism and we travel all around the world. And, and she came into the church through St. Benedict Parish and the lively music, the great homilies, the incredible hospitality, the vibrant ministry, you know, a, a roadmap for evangelization, next steps. And, and so she thought that was normal. And then we travel all over the world and go to these churches and, and she's literally broke down in tears sometimes because it feels so dead. And I, my heart breaks. And she didn't know that all churches weren't vibrant, amazing, fun, hospitable, and open to new people. And in fact, I would say the opposite is true. And so why do we want a leadership team? Because we're not as fruitful as we know we should be. Mm. And you know that. Like if you're listening to this and you have an ache in your heart because you know full well your church isn't what it could be, then you know what I'm talking about. So how do you get from where you're at now to where you know God's calling you to be. Hmm. And it's not going to be this Lone Ranger priest mentality. And, you know, if any of you are listening to this and been on a parish pastoral council before, you know how ineffective and a waste of time they are a lot of the times. Now, I'm not saying all the time, but we want to help you with this episode, have effective parish pastoral council meetings and teams. But it, let's be honest. Like, I don't know, Lorraine, have you ever been on a parish pastoral council that stunk? <laughs> yeah, one or two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. And so it's like, this is a ginormous waste of time. And so I think every single group, every single meeting in every single church should be amazing, useful, and purposeful. And if it's not, we have to hit the pause button and figure it out. So the whole idea of a leadership team is, can we lead? Is there a model of leading differently that's more effective? Mm. You know, I said in, in the podcast the other day that, that where you are in five years is a direct correlation between the decisions you make between now and then, and the better the quality of the decisions you make between now and then, the probably the better the trajectory is for where your church is going to be and the impact it's going to be having. And so leadership teams allow you to make, to help surround the pastor with a diversity of strengths and gifts, but a, a unanimity and vision and help that pastor make decisions in the minutia of the day-to-day, -day, the week-to-week. -week. Because I'll tell you, these pastors get decision fatigue. They have people coming at them from all angles. They're absolute heroes. Um, and, and in many ways, it's an unwinnable, it's an unwinnable role in the current format and leadership teams help them be more effective, more consistently. It brings competency and, and, and momentum to decision-making and releasing people to do the things they're called to do. And so I would say that's the heart of why. Now, if you're a parish pastoral council, why are you there? Like if you're a member, why are you there? Mm. And both of the parish pastoral council and the leadership team were there to support the pastor, to bring about a God-sized vision to impact the world or certainly the world around you. That's why we're there. 
you know, if you're there to control your pastor or to influence him because you don't like the decisions he makes, and then I get that. Um, but that's not the purest motive. It's probably not the best scenario, probably not going to create the best meetings. It means we have low trust where we don't like, we have different preferences. We haven't rallied around mission or vision. We're rallying around preferences and trying to control people or influence. And it's just not the best model. Mm. So there can be mixed reasons why we come on these things. But what I tell both of those groups, if they're healthy, if we're, if we're striving for health, you don't even have to be healthy now. If you long for health, <laughs> then we have to check our motivations and our desires. And we have to say, why do we exist? We exist to support. We do, and I would suggest that if it's done well, the parish pastoral council sees itself as a team to love and support the pastor, his leadership team, and the staff. To support the pastor, his leadership team, and the staff. Oftentimes, if, in my opinion, if you're a missional church and your leadership team is doing a great job and your parish pastoral council exists, um, the people on the leadership team are also on the parish pastoral council. Mm. So right. the decisions so the, that are being made so form mm. each other. So this SLT yeah. would mostly, um, in a good scenario, be going along to the PPC meetings. Um, yes. Yeah. So when you say SLT for those listening, that's senior leadership team, team or leadership sorry. team, we'll use those. That's okay. We'll use those interchangeably. Yeah. I just wanted, didn't want to lose anybody. But yeah, and so you know, in your leadership teams, you have ones that are made up of entirely volunteers, which is yes. great. Sometimes you have it made up entirely staff, which is lovely. And sometimes there's a mix and it's okay. Whatever the scenario is, doesn't matter. It works in all scenarios and all situations. There's just different considerations. Um, but that's an important piece. Um, and then if you have a well-functioning leadership, because a lot of churches, uh, parish pastoral council functions, the people that get everything done. Mm. I mean, not only they help the, the pastor make pastoral decisions or, or, or certainly advise on pastoral decisions, but they're also the very people that get their hands dirty and get things done out of the parish pastoral council, which means that's your organizational structure. Those are your key ministers. And that's a model of parish pastoral council. And that's okay if you don't have staff or you don't have a well-designed structure for ministry. But if you do have a well-designed structure for ministry, then that's not a very good rule. Then that becomes meddling. <laughs> and I often say in a missional parish, if you have a leadership team and a parish pastoral council, I say to the parish pastoral council, I hope you don't see this as your primary ministry because it, it isn't. You only become an, you're only an effective parish pastoral council member to the degree that you're fully engaged in the life of the church, which means serving in ministry, whether you're leading it or just serving it. That's what makes your opinion valuable on the parish pastoral council. But if you're just coming here as a wise expert, I don't know that you need one of those in admissional church that has uh, a functional leadership team and a parish pastoral council. It's a, it's a, it's a lighter touch role. I would suggest that, you know, they'd probably want to meet like once a quarter uh, mm. for a couple hours. And um, you know, some maybe you're listening to this and go, how could we possibly do what we've done uh, meeting once a quarter? Well, you're probably not going to do what you've always done. And so there's going to be this a bit of letting go. You know, we have to hold on to our roles in the church um, with light hands instead of white knuckles mm -hmm. because we're there to serve we don't and i see people sometimes you're not getting me out of this this is what i do and it's like oh wow that's awful i get it but but, but maybe you should pray a little bit on that because i want to play whatever role required to be as fruitful as possible to reach those that don't know jesus yet to bring them home this isn't a club I'm not, I don't, I don't want to bring an entitlement attitude to ministry or roles. And oftentimes in, in, in leadership teams where parish or pastors change, I tell the, the leadership team, you're not owed your position in leadership team. It's not a position of, of honor and authority. You know, you're there because it makes sense right now for that pastor. So give the other pastor, tell him you'll, you'll serve with him for a year uh, while well, he discerns help that transition, but he'll need to discern his own people. Maybe he'll be one of them, but maybe you won't. And it's okay because you weren't brought on to the parish staff or what have you, or because your role on leadership teams, because your role in the other area that you serve in. And so the same thing is true with the parish pastoral council. Like we need a servant attitude and we need to hold on to our position with light hands. 
and we need to take an attitude of service and collaboration not I, I i've got to be heard we need to be heard if those are issues that you're facing you deal with those but so what's the cause i think newness i think um fear uh and i think you know sometimes holding on to an understanding of how to lead the church that from an era that we know doesn't work mm-hmm. and so stop it <laughs> if it doesn't work stop it uh and here's the thing too experiment trial like if we're going to move into a, a situation where there's a leadership team and there's a parish pastoral council it doesn't have to be forever mm. like just why are you doing it we want to get better results well that's a great motive we want to have more impact that's an awesome motive we want to support people better terrific well then let's try it and let's define how are we going to know it's working how are we going to know it's not working so that you can adjust in real time and if it doesn't work go back to the way you did it before like it doesn't have to be forever but we also don't have to keep doing what we've done in the past forever if it's not working so it could look really different between different parishes do you think i think what could look different is who's on the leadership team so why why a leadership team anyway so a leadership team again to surround the pastor to make better decisions more consistently but also to provide uh, personal relational support to other ministry leaders and, or, and, and structures within your church so that people can thrive. Like mm-hmm. leadership is the gift when done properly allows all the other gifts to flourish. I love that concept. Mm-hmm. And so we're not telling people what to do as if they're not very intelligent. We're actually unleashing them. We're bringing them closer to Jesus and we're asking them, what do you see as possible in your ministry? If your ministry is wildly successful, you know, what kinds of things would you do differently? How could you create uh, more faith in your ministry group? How can you grow friendships in your ministry group? How can you, you know what I mean? So it's all of a sudden they're taking ownership of their ministry and they're driving it forward with a vision that's aligned with the culture you wanna create in your church. But that takes unleashing and it takes support not just telling people yeah, and to I do. like that word um, support rather than representation because I think often in our parishes in both pastoral councils and on leadership teams mm-hmm. people see themselves as representing the interests of a particular ministry or group of people mm-hmm. whereas you're mm-hmm. using the word support and that's much more relational and it kind of tips the the leadership pyramid up the other way doesn't it so that if i'm yeah. i'm not representing you know the youth ministries or the family ministries i'm supporting them so i'm trying to get to know the people that that are the ministry leads and as you mm. say unleashing and you know finding out what their goals and dreams and things are and bringing issues mm. that they have back to the leadership team mm. which is really different to representing isn't it and kind of mm-hmm. almost having a tussle between different people. Mm, it's true. It's almost like there's only there's only eight pieces of pie, so I better get my two for my team and yeah, tag with you yeah. guys. Or it's the like, funds no, I, or something. <laughs> or, the, or the money. And, and yeah. let's face it, we do have limited resources, but what we're trying to do, whether we're on the Parish Pastoral Council leadership team, is we're trying to prioritize our energy, efforts, resources, and human resources in line with priorities that will help us move towards a desired outcome. And so we better know what success looks like, because if we don't define that, then anything will do. And then your lobbyists come and they just get their piece and they've made their constituents happy. That's not what we're trying to do in a missional church. We're trying to break down that those divisions by by prayerfully discerning. And that's what a parish pastoral council is meant to do. It's meant to pastorally give insight and advice to the pastor and his team. And so there's a there's a degree of wisdom there and there's also a degree of 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 letting go. Mm-hmm. You know, so that we can do this together, we can discern God's will together for this parish where we're going and the culture we want to have. You know, sometimes we can treat people really horribly in the name of lobbying for a particular group, but we're not lobbyists, we're a family of faith. Now, I say that you might be saying, yeah, not my church isn't a family of faith. And I get it. I belong to churches. It doesn't feel like a family at all. It's just a bunch of strangers who happen to be baptized Catholic. So we go to church because our mothers told us we should. And we don't feel one bit connected. It's like that's most of the churches I've been in as I grew up. So I know what that feels like. But that's not the goal. And we all know it. 
And so that's where Alpha is such an important piece, because unless you know people's stories and fall in love with them, the church is never going to feel like a family of faith. Unless we absolutely, like, that's, how do you, I think that's one of the things that makes family so, so beautiful and close. They eat together so many times throughout the course of their lifetime. Well, Alpha, eat together 11 weeks in a row. You go on a retreat together and you discuss Jesus and things that matter in such a way that you actually feel like you know somebody probably better than you know your friends you grew up with your whole life. Mm. And that changes the water on the beans. And so if you're not creating, if you don't have platforms like that within your church while you're trying to be effective, you're not going to be effective because you're going to be trying to be effective on ideas, not relationships. Jesus changed the world based on amazing friendships, amazing relationships, not good ideas. He didn't write a, a book and say, you should go to university and study this stuff. He created a group of friends and he formed them and sent them and let them make mistakes and <laughs> sent them out before they were ready. <laughs> they learned that, hey, we actually can do this stuff. And, and he, he journeyed with them. And, and, and that's, I think, what we all long for, but we don't necessarily know how to do it. And so parish pastoral councils should see, I'd encourage you to see the pastor as your friend, not somebody that needs to be controlled. Now, I say that, I don't know your pastor. You might be going, yeah, you don't know my pastor. He's a jerk. Somebody's got to keep him in line, in which case you're probably right. I don't know. Like, um, But imagine if that wasn't the case. And and imagine if, if we as pastors would surrender, submit ourselves to those relationships, make sure we're surrounding ourselves by wise people who share a vision. We might have a different way of approaching strategy and tactics but that's where the best ideas come from is those differences so it's important then that the ppc and the pastoral council and the leadership team share a common vision mm -hmm. yeah 100 percent. and that's the that's the part of the pastor's role mm. that you you got to figure that stuff out yeah because you know, i've been in parishes or, or worked with parishes where the leadership team is a is a new one and they're, mm. you know, very involved in becoming a missional parish and doing a lot of work there. And the pastoral council is something that's been there for a long time and mm. they've got a really different idea because it's always the way that they've done things. And so sometimes mm. that's a bit of conflict because the leadership team is going in a direction that the pastoral council doesn't really understand or is necessarily on board with so how do yeah. you do that then how do you get them together yeah. to be rowing in the same direction yeah i think there's a podcast we've done too on on vision throughout your whole church like, mm. like how do you speak vision into everything and it's a really good podcast to to to, to process that thinking but but at the end of the day a, a vision isn't a plan and so often we go to the how, the what and the how. And so then we disagree and we fight, but we don't spend enough time on the where and the why. So, so let me break that down. Where are we trying to go anyway? You know what? Here's what I feel like. I've watched so many of my friends and their families peel away from the church. I watch people bring their kids just to receive the sacraments with no intention at all in coming back. And then they're getting lost in sex and drugs and university they lose their faith and parents stop coming nobody seems to care and it's like i don't know how that makes you feel and i'm not saying you should feel any different than you feel now i just want to tell you how i feel i feel so broken up about that like i just think we have let these people down so bad as the church. And I used to blame everybody else. I used to blame the priests, the bishops, the Pope, the DREs, the, the so special associates. It was everybody's fault. Uh, I was a wonderful critic until Jesus himself said, Ron, what have you ever done for my church? And I went, oh, basically not much. And, and I realized I was part of the problem. Like if I'm having those struggles and those frustrations maybe that's a gift from god saying ron i need you in the game but like don't just sit there and tear everybody apart not helpful you're part of the problem and so i swore i'd never be a part of the problem again but the whole idea of um working together and collaborating together like where are we going with that i just lost my train of thought <laughs> Yeah, we were talking about vision and how important it is for SLT, the leadership team and the pastoral council to kind of be growing in the same direction, really. 
Yeah, right. and um, and that vision yeah. you were saying with your, I think, with your story of the families and things where we're just oh, not bringing right. people yes. into the church. I mean, that's the passion, isn't it? That's what we want. We want to be, yeah, we want to be reaching those people in our families. A church that matters. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and so yeah. we need to have that heart in our leadership team and in our pastoral council that. That the, keeping the main thing the main thing, I think the saying is, isn't it? And if we can mm, both do yeah, that, um, we're we're mm. heading in the same direction, aren't we? But then yeah, there becomes if, the allocation of tasks and and what we're each going to do, doesn't it? But but yeah, but don't go there too fast. Yeah. Well, not you, but people. Like, yeah, don't go yeah, there yeah. too fast because at the end of the day, if that's my vision and passion, and you're like, no, actually, I just need, I just want to be buried in this church. And I need it to be alive. It's like not good enough. Mm. And it's like, wh what do you care about that goes beyond yourself? And if we can't agree, we might not be a good fit. If you're here just to lobby for the Filipino group, it's like not good enough. If you're here, just here to lobby for the people that built this church 50 years ago, not good enough. We need a vision that goes beyond ourselves, that moves us at the core of our being, that we're willing to do anything to get from being borderline useless in today's culture to absolutely contagious and changing lives. Mm. That's vision. And it's not a vision statement. Mm. It's vision. It's what drives you. That's not a plan. It's vision. And if we can't agree on that, no sense moving to the what and the how. That's a dangerous as heck. Mm. That is dangerous as heck because now we're going to fight on just about everything because we're literally not. If that does not move you, then we shouldn't be on this team together. And if you're the pastor, you have to figure that out, but like that's your responsibility. And sometimes this thing can be, well, you know, I'm only here for a little while. I'm just here to serve the people and whatever they want is what they get. It's like, <laughs> okay, well, good luck. Like this, this podcast isn't for you. Like you have to be all in on what God is calling you to do in your leadership, in that parish, in this season. That's the only reason this podcast makes any sense. And if that's not your perspective, this isn't helpful at all. But if that is your perspective, then what does you, what's your gut churning up? And share it. Get in touch with it and share it. And when you're inviting people to be a part of the team, vision is a, is a differentiator is whether or not it's a good fit. Mm -hmm. I, I remember starting a, <laughs> a soccer team years ago when I was in Stafford University. And I hadn't played for years, but I used to be pretty competitive. And uh, so I got a group of my friends together. Half of them never played soccer before. Uh, they're just really fun to have around. And a couple of them were university soccer players, and they were amazing. And I knew why I wanted to play soccer. I wanted to play soccer because it's fun. I love the exercise. I love to compete. And uh, I thought it would be a great way to spend my summer. But that's it. I didn't have any grand illusions we were going to win. Now, you know how hard it was for those university players to play in a team of misfits? Uh, <laughs> It was hard because they were there to win, but that wasn't the vision of the team. And if it was, that we are 10 years away from that vision, or at least a good five. Uh, and so we would have had to adjust, their, like they had to adjust their expectations. We had to get on the same page. And, and so it's a little bit like that with Parish Pastoral Council. Like, are we on the same page? Because if we're not, when we go to the what and the how, you're going to be really frustrated. Mm. And so, so that's why vision is so important. And that's why getting people with a similar vision is so important. And if I could give one tip for pastors and parish pastoral council members, if you have a parish pastoral council, then I would suggest as a pastor, you meet with that chair, that parish pastoral council once a month, one-on-one. -on -one. Hmm. And I would be asking the chair, not just to run the, the, the meeting, but to own the team, own the team culture, own the team's unanimity of vision, own the team's uh, struggles that people are having with one thing or another, own the questions they have so that when we go to leadership team meetings, there is unity. There is goodwill. People are ready for the meeting. Don't put that on your pastor. He doesn't have time. But oftentimes we don't. You know, people are underinvested in on that team. Um, and the chair just thinks they run the meeting. That's like, that's not actually very helpful. And we all know it. Own the team. Mm. Own the team's chemistry. Own the team's passion. When people like own the relationships. So that when we get to those parish pastoral council members, we're not we're not laying on the table all these beefs and these underlying currents of discontent and and the poor pastor like what's, what's he supposed to do? 
it's not very supportive. But I don't think people have seen that as their role as the chair of the pastoral council. And so if I'm the pastor and you're the chair of the pastoral council and we meet once a week or once a month, I'm saying, Lorraine, what's going well with your team? Where are you excited? What were, you know, how have you invested in them this past month? You know, as we prepare for our meeting next month, what are some of the things that you're hearing or feeling or sensing that are gonna be important to the team? You know, what can we bring to the table as a pastor and leadership team to bring them up to speed? And, and we're gonna plan, we're gonna to coordinate together so that we're meeting the needs of the team, so that we're collaborating, so people feel like it was a worthwhile meeting, they feel heard, we're giving them what they need, but you're owning the relationship. So I don't wanna to come to a meeting as a pastor and you have Betty on the pastoral council and every time she comes, she just gives it to us with one thing or another. We never know what it's gonna be, but she couldn't be more discontent. And then everybody looks at me because I'm the one who's supposed to handle it. It's like, well, first of all, I'm saying to you in the next meeting, Lorraine, I'm tired of hearing from Betty with her bad attitude and her accusations. It's not helpful, it's not healthy. I need you to talk to her because she's your team member and I need you to get to the bottom of the heart of her discontent and see if we can bring some healing and help there because there's obviously something wrong and she keeps bringing it to the meetings and railroading the meetings. Can you do that? Mm. Like it's your responsibility. <laughs> I need you to own your team and the relationships, the attitudes, the vision, the uncertainty, everything else. They would just be so helpful for everybody. And some people need to be removed. Don't put terms on parish pastoral council service because you're too afraid to deal with the people who are toxic. Deal with toxicity instantly or pretty close, like really quickly, and try to bring healing to that person and or maybe remove them if they're just too broken to be on a team in a way that's healthy because we need healthy meetings. Mm -hmm. So what are some um, good examples that you've seen of uh, what PPCs do compared to what leadership teams do again i've um one of the funnest projects we ever worked on was and the parish pastoral council with the leadership team worked or no we didn't even have a leadership team at the time the parish pastoral council with the pastor worked on our vision statement which was fine it was great and i got brought into it from time to time um but then when we created a parish past or parish, a leadership team we worked together with the parish pastoral. Well, we were on the parish pastoral council at that point. We would, we were asked by the pastor to come to the meetings. I didn't want to go because my past experience at parish pastoral councils, but the chair Eileen was just amazing. And together, they put together meetings I couldn't wait to go to, mm -hmm. and they were so fun and engaging. And the project that I found most exciting was our five-year plan. And so we had the vision, right? And you know, and so that was great. And so now we we're developing the plan, the pastoral plan. Not the minutia, the execution, that was gonna be left up to the staff and the volunteers. But we are putting together a plan and the plan was based on the five systems out of Rick Warren's book, mm. Purpose Driven Church. And so fellowship, discipleship, worship, evangelization, and ministry oh, yeah. or service, yeah. And so what Eileen did is she divided, like the staff like me, I was director of evangelization at the time, um, she gave me the evangelization plan and, 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 and a strategy to go talk to people who are engaged in that and interested in that and just collaborate together to come up with a five-year plan. Uh, goals and, and structure and money needed and everything. It was really cool. And so we did. And it was a really fun project to do. It was a big project. We did a lot of work between meetings. Yes. You know, we only, we only met every quarter or every couple of months. But it didn't mean we weren't working between those meetings. Mm. And we'd come back and present. And it was really fun to do. One of the things we noticed when we sent people away to do fellowship or, or, or worship, they didn't have the same definition that we had. Mm -hmm. And so we realized we made a big mistake because they spent all this time working on the wrong thing because we didn't have the same definition of the word and the same understanding of what the word meant. And uh, it's like, whoa, that was a big learning. But as we developed that five-year plan, we all became vision carriers of where we wanted to go as a church. And then once that was, and we set goals around it. And it was really funny because it was like we were all drinking too much when we set those goals. It was like an auction. It's like, how many people do you think we can put through Alpha in five years? Well, I think we can put a thousand, thousand. We can do better than that. Okay, 2,000, 2,000. If we can do two, we can do three. And like, <laughs> the numbers are just ridiculous. Like I looked at that plan two years later and I thought, what were we thinking? Like, it's not even close, but it's okay. 
because we were aiming. We understood the intent behind where we wanted to go, and we were willing to align our staffing structure to to get from here to there, even if the goals we set were too high. Mm. If we got anything on those goals, it was more than most churches would have ever gotten. And so, and we did. And so that purpose was really good. But I have to be honest, there were different seasons where the parish pastoral council's purpose ceased to exist and the meetings became a real drag. And so there would be updates from the the parish, well, the leadership team who were at that time also on the staff. Um, and so that was helpful. It was nice. We prayed together. And we interceded together, which is really important, really good. So updates, prayer, intercession, but no purpose for the leadership team members. And so there's been different times where that parish pastoral council just paused mm. because we didn't want to waste people's time. These are good people. And they're heavily involved in ministry. Um, but there just wasn't a need for that ongoing um, meetings if there wasn't a purpose. And so then it would get reignited from time to time because there was other things we might be able to work on that the staff and the leadership team didn't have time for. And so that was helpful. But I appreciated the honesty of discernment of whether or not we're wasting people's time. Mm. And so it's really important to have a purpose and so, you know, when it comes to task, five-year plan is really exciting. I think updates are helpful. You know, some of the things I heard sometimes, well, isn't it good to have a parish pastoral council so that you get the pulse of what's going on in the church? And I would say I love that you value wanting to have a pulse of the church. But what are you doing that you don't have a pulse of the church? Like, aren't you a staff and leadership team members or key volunteers? Aren't you engaged in the life of the church? Mm. Aren't you doing the very things you're asking other people to do? Because if you're not, well, that's an absolute tragedy. That's a bigger problem. <laughs> but we should have the pulse of the church. And not that we can't have other opinions, but we should be getting them all the time. So, you know, for example, you know, I was doing Alpha. <laughs> you know, I was supporting the Alpha team. I was, I was going to the leadership summits. I was in a connect group. Uh, I was in a discipleship group. Uh, you know, and so there are all kinds of places where I couldn't have been more engrossed in all kinds of different relationships. I was there every weekend at Mass. And, and I was there at the missions that we'd have and so you're constantly talking to people and connecting with people mm. and so so you know why does the parish pastoral council exist i'd say the five-year plan is really good you might be able to do things like focus groups like there's a lot of um churches where immigration is a is is significant and it's like do you understand that demographic that are moving into your area and the things they're facing not only from their culture but even as immigrants and if the answer is no and and it's okay man wouldn't it be cool to have focus groups well maybe you don't have time maybe that's a project that the parish pastoral council can take on and you can come up with some learn you know learnings and really try to love and meet those people where they're at to bless the daylights out of them as a church and, and uh or you know maybe just focus groups from time to time just to meet different get different perspectives and so there are there are things they can do but they need to be specific they need to be purposeful and they need to be useful not just make work projects mm -hmm. and it's okay to pause a parish pastoral council from time to time if all the other functions in your church are working so well that it seems like it's not quite as needed right now mm -hmm. so that can come but, in and out a little bit i think so lorraine i want to ask you a question you know you mentioned that you know, what about the, yeah, that's a really fun question, but I'm interested in how you'd answer it. When it comes to, you know, we have a leadership team and, and now the bishop wants us to have a parish pastoral council. What are your thoughts on that? Mm, that, that is a hard one. Um, and, and the parish that asks that question is really struggling with what they're going to do with that. So mm. the way they're looking at it is that there's um, they've got a lot of people moving into their area. It's a, it's a mm -hmm. um, parish that went down a lot over COVID and people are coming back, but there's also people moving into the area. And so mm. I think they're thinking that the PPC, um, the pastoral council can be something that can maybe look at, you know, the broadening needs of the parish because they have a pastoral mm. plan in that parish, they have a vision, they have some of that, a lot of that work already done that's been done over the last couple of years. Yes. But they're hoping that the pastoral council will 
be another layer, a helpful layer that will support what they're doing and maybe even, um, as you say, do some projects like having a look at the new people moving in, um, mm. having a look at some of the facilities in the parish, Not, you know, and that's operations often, but also having a look mm -hmm. at where they might want to go in terms of um, a new building or changing some of what they've already got to better suit the changing needs of the parish. I think somebody said something about um, new parents moving into the area in a play group and what might mm. that look like. So they're thinking maybe doing some research around the types of play groups that parishes can run, the types of, you know, and what might we want to do here that will meet the needs. So mm -hmm. that kind of thing, which is more research, I guess, isn't it? And um, It is. Yeah. And I, and I would say, like, that's – I'm glad you brought up play group and it might mean something different in Australia than it does here in Canada. Um, but, you know, that's a perfect example. Like, everybody has ideas. Mm. Like, no churches are short on ideas and nobody's short on opinions on what the church should be doing. And so one of the hardest things as a leadership team is to filter ideas. Like, I always say good ideas are, are – are, or the leadership team is where good ideas go to die. We need great ideas, not good ideas, because mm -hmm. we only have a limited amount of resources and time. And a play group, I have no idea how that's on track with the mission and purpose of the church. Um, now, I hope, you know what I mean? And so, like, we are literally, we have a purpose, and it is to bring people into a profound and intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. And yes, it means serving the poor and meeting real needs, but don't disconnect meeting real needs with bringing people to Jesus. And if it's a, and I see people do this, they take time, resources, space for things that have, and in one sense you could say, well, that's pre-evangelization. Is it? I tell you a, what, in a, our parish it is. <laughs> well, We've and, had and the, the most the amazing play group. They have this, they start, they have a prayer time and it's okay. the, and they bring along the mums and the mums are learning how to pray with their children. And it's been a bit of a conduit into RCIA, actually. So very intentional. Well, see, now that's, yeah. that's where the definition of playgroup is so important. Because if you said <laughs> that in Canada, that would be like, yeah, let's just have a space where a bunch of moms can bring their kids, drink coffee, and let their kids play. But that's not what you're doing. You, no. guys, you guys are very intentional mm. about making that a prayerful space where anyone is welcome and then equipping them to be great moms and bring faith to their kids. That, mm. uh, yeah. That's that's where the definition is so important because then I hear play group, I'm like, what? That's like a card group and not that play and cards aren't fun, but how does it link to the mission? And it, that clearly does. And mm. so, yeah, that's cool. Mm. Because again, you know, just you know, the whole idea, if my definition was right, which it clearly wasn't, but it's like, well, we have to discern ideas because people are going to get you busy as a pastor and as a staff and as volunteers doing the wrong things with good intent, get you busy doing the wrong things. And that's why it's really important to be clear in your vision and your purpose, because you do have limited resources. Mm -hmm. And the whole idea of being strategic is recognizing that we have limited resources and we have a purpose. And so we have to align our resources to our purpose because again john chapter 15 verse 8 you know you can tell if you're a disciple by your fruitfulness and i think that applies to me personally but it also applies to us corporately applies to our ministries applies to your parish and so you better know what fruit looks like we know what busyness looks like in that same chapter talks about the vine and the branches uh and and the fruit and so often people talk about i say hey how are things at your church oh man we're busy and they talk about all the ways they're busy. And it's like, those are the branches. What fruit is becoming? Have you made any new disciples? New disciples? Uh, well, uh, we got three people in the RCA this year. That's awesome. How many of them didn't come in through marriage? Well, actually, they all came in through marriage. Okay. So you've evangelized nobody this year. Uh, it's okay. But boy, that's... That's mm -hmm. problem. So that that's a problem then in terms of PPC and, and leadership team, pastoral council and leadership team, that you don't want to be just handing over things to keep people busy. It needs to be real things that will mm -hmm. align with your purpose and help you achieve that. Absolutely. Yeah, help you achieve fruitfulness. Absolutely. Yeah. 
And that's where in the, in the churches that we coach, like oftentimes they'll ha already have a parish pastoral council, but there's times like you say, they have a leadership team, but not a parish pastoral council. And I can think of a church that they do really well to have a parish pastoral council mm -hmm. because their leadership team is a little bit disconnected. And so the, the pastors focus on that. Um, they become his work group and it's like, um, I think a parish pastoral council would be really helpful for that leadership team so they could speak into them because that's the danger of a leadership team. And I think that's the fear of people, fear people might have a leadership team is that group gets too insular and they're not hearing. Yes. And again, I'm hoping they're really connected into the life of the church. So that's less of a problem, but that's not always the case. And so parish pastoral council can be really helpful, a sober second opinion on things to help you see what you're not seeing because you guys are talking the same language, having a lot of meetings. So your friendship is growing, your language is growing, you're, you're, you're forming each other in what you're seeing and what you're doing. And you're getting too focused to the point where you're losing touch. And, and so parish pastoral council again if that's their purpose it's really great to define that mm. hey guys we have the same vision here's our fear here's what we want to do and how often we want to meet so that you guys can give us some feedback and perspective and 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 as good ideas come out of that we just want to make sure we're always in touch and so that's why we want to gather you guys together because we care about you we trust your opinion we know you love us and support us and we just need to make sure that we don't get so focused that we lose sight of things that that are important and we need mm. your help for that well that's a purpose mm. all of a sudden if you ask me to be that guy on your team it's like yeah i could do that because i care about you right and so mm. that would be a great purpose for this folks that you know don't have a very special council yet because yeah getting them busy for busy sake just creates more work for everybody and there's very few churches that need more work Oftentimes they're overworked. They might not be doing the right things or they might not be doing things that are actually fruitful. And maybe that's a role that parish council can play. Maybe they can study some churches that, that are relatively the same size, maybe the same type of financial area, you know, so that you can see our church is doing it better than us. And if so, how, what are they doing? How did they get there? Like do some research and then come back and meet with the pastor and the leadership team and say, here's some of the things we're learning. I'm not telling you what to do, but we're just sharing. Cause again, hopefully the pastor and leadership team are asking, it's like, how can we grow, you know, figure out, you know, in the next couple of years, what conferences do we want to go to? What books we want to read? And so mm -hmm. maybe they'll come up with some ideas and why here's where we're, I see where we're at. Here's where we're going. Can you guys research that? Make sure everything has a purpose. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and, and the benefit of those two groups working together is you have more people that share the vision. And more heads that are thinking and planning and hearts that are passionate and and yeah. hands that are praying. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's so true. Mm. And, and again, I think a couple of the things that support this type of leadership, again, it comes from a desire. It comes mm. from a desire that that we want to make a God-sized difference in this area and these families, these people, and these friends, and these neighbors. We want to, and we don't, or at least not as big as we want to yet. And we want it. So if you, you got to have that passion. If you don't have that passion, it doesn't matter. But if you do have that passion, then great. Then these teams can be really helpful. Mm -hmm. um, and then when they collaborate together, it's so cool. Some of the other tools that I find in missional parishes that we coach that are super, super helpful. One of them is having leadership team meetings or sorry, having the leadership team meetings are weekly, usually for about two hours each. Parish pastoral council meetings are usually for two hours each quarterly. Um, and then three times a year, we have a leadership summit, bringing together the, all the people in the finance council, all the people in the parish pastoral council, any of the staff and, and people that are, are running ministries. And, and so, and we're speaking into them, we're letting them know how much we appreciate them as, as a leadership team. And, and, and we have a whole format for that. Maybe we'll talk about it at one of the other podcasts, but it's such a cool thing because it's such an energy boost and it's an opportunity to speak vision, but it's also an opportunity to give skills to leaders. And, and, and so that we're upping our game in terms of competency as an organization. And it's so fun, but that's a really good tool. But then also again, mission, have a mission every year. Like Atlant or Advent or Pentecost and, and bring people together prayerfully and, and, and really be leaning into prayer at your leadership summits at your missions um those are all amazing we have we would have again depends on the size of your church we'd have an all staff meeting once a month uh, where we would have 
beautiful time of worship and prayer and interceding for all the ministries. And we'd share wins and, and, um, and we'd share vision and, and sometimes we'd work on different skill sets around leading. It wouldn't be the minutia of what everybody's doing, um, which made the meetings actually fun and people wanted to go and they were prayerful. So we were forming people in prayer. We were forming strong relationships between key members of our church. And, and so these are all other things that as you continue to be missional, that's so it's not all relying on a parish pastoral council in so many churches in Canada, you have your parish pastoral council, you have your Knights of Columbus and you have your Catholic women's league. And that's like the only things that are going on in church. And then you have all your sacraments and your religious education and people are leaving the church in droves. People are receiving the sacraments and never coming back, but we're all busier than a one-legged man at a butt kicking contest. It's like, but we're not fruitful. And so as you dedicate yourself to fruitfulness, you're probably going to need to change your structure. As you change your structure, you're probably going to need to change your self-identity as a team or as a group. And then we're going to have to do it with a, with a conscious sense of what kind of culture we're trying to build and how we want to treat each other and where we're going. So we want to be a church that matters. Why? Because I've lost so many friends, and I know you have too, and neighbors and, and people that don't know Christ and more people coming into the community and they're lonely and they're disconnected. And, and, and so, so we want to be a church that matters unequivocally. Why? Because people matter and we're losing them and the church is irrelevant and it's not good enough. So that's your why, that's your where. Perfect. Now let's figure out the what and the how. Mm -hmm. And so the, the parish pastoral council can think about a plan, like a plan, like where do we want to be in five years? And what are the systems? Like what format are we going to use to mobilize that, to, to give language to it? And again, the five systems are a really helpful way of doing that. You know, you could also use the APES, apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers, and what what corporate ministries do we have that fit those? So there's different ways you can do it, but choose one and then build a plan around it that's consistent with the church you want to be and then begin to um, make sure that on the other side, the day-to-day -day side, you have the right people in the right seats on the bus with the right attitudes who are working day in and day out in the culture that you want to bring about the results that you feel God's calling you to get. Mm. Oh, that's really it's, helpful. Yeah. It's hard, but yeah. it's so, yeah, hopefully it <laughs> brings some clarity, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Was there anything else you wanted to say as we finish up? Can I, I'm just going to maybe use my, my uh, iPad here and I'm just going to draw uh, a oh, diagram okay. for people that are watching this on YouTube and the people that aren't, well, maybe we'll just explain it to you. Maybe that will be helpful. But I, I just want to talk a little bit into structure in terms of how this could work. So the P is your pastor. And then I'm going to put leadership team. So an L, an S, and a T. Those are people. And there could be another one on there. I wouldn't suggest there be any more than five collectively, no matter how big your church is. Um, and so the pastor supports the leadership team, both he's on the leadership team, but he supports each one of them individually. Then you have your chair of your P parish pastoral council, and you have your chair of your finance council. And I would ask that both of those chairs own the relationships, the unanimity of vision, uh, you know, all that stuff, like the, the effectiveness, the chemistry, own that on your team and then support them once a month. And then in some cases, um, clergy team, some churches have more than one clergy and the clergy may not be on the leadership team. Just because you're ordained doesn't mean you're a great organizational leader. Um, it doesn't like uh, I'm stating the obvious and that might be ghastly for some people but we know that's true and so it doesn't mean they're not supportive doesn't mean they're not a really important part of the parish and you do need to continue to speak into the team because there's nothing more frustrating than for a lay person to hear different clergy preaching different things with different visions it's a nightmare and so you need unanimity of vision within your clergy team and in your preaching series and so that pastor meets for two hours a week we used to meet for longer than that, but that's okay. So two hours a week with the leadership team plus one hour a week with each of the leadership team members. 
to talk about tactical things because when tactical things come into leadership team meetings, it's boring and irrelevant. So you want to talk tactical one-on-one -on -one with people to support them in their ministries. But when you get together a leadership team member, you're not there to represent your particular ministry. You're, you're there to think like a leader, think like, share the responsibility of overall leadership of the pastor. Then to meet for one hour once a month with your chair, one hour once a month with the chair of your pair with your fi finance council, and then probably, you know, between one and two hours per week with your clergy team. And so hopefully that structure is helpful. And again, not for everybody. Maybe that's something you're going to grow into eventually, but that gives a pass. Because <clears throat> imagine all the meetings and all the people that person is supporting. And so you can really see how a pastor has to get good at leadership, has to get good at supporting people, has to get good at multiplying people. Um, and it's not what you do once that makes a difference. It's what you do over and over and over again that makes a difference. And so we need to invest disproportionately in the key people that God's put around you that you've discerned that are driving the vision. And so that's going to limit a lot of the other things that you've people probably think you should do as a priest and maybe you think you should do as a priest your your self-identity begins to shift because you're mobilizing people jesus invested disproportionately he had, talks about 72 disciples at one point in scripture well he didn't invest in those guys as much as he invested in the 12 and he didn't invest in the 12 as much as he invested in peter james and john jesus knew how to invest disproportionately in key people to create a movement of mercy and grace and that's our responsibility as pastors. That's our responsibility as people who support the pastor. Um, and this structure hopefully puts the parish pastoral council in its, <clears throat> so the parish pastoral council works in collaboration with the leadership team and the pastor and the pastor is a part of all those and they work together, but they have different roles. And so, but with the same attitude of support and desire to help. And so I hope that's been helpful. <laughs> it, is, it is a bit confusing, but if we're struggling with fear, if we're struggling with jealousy, if we're struggling with um, resentment, it's okay. It's okay. Change often brings about those types of feelings. But I'm going to ask you, if you're one of those people, to be honest about it and pray into it. And then maybe go to the person, the pastor or somebody else on the team and say, you know what, I have to be honest, I'm feeling really unheard or underappreciated or angry or confused. And I don't want to let those feelings override my opinion of you and our working relationship. But if I don't tell you, you're not going to know. And so I'm, because of the confusion, I'm feeling this way. Can we talk it out and work it out so that I understand? Because I don't want this to come between us because I care about you. I care about the mission. I love Jesus and I love this church. Like have that honest conversation. Don't, don't create a team of naysayers around you and build up the, the, the loyal resistance for the pastor and the team. Work out your feelings. Don't give way to them. Don't feed those feelings that bring division in churches. Take those feelings to prayer. They're normal. They're human. I don't like it when I feel them, but I do. Um, but have those conversations with people. Risk being vulnerable for the sake of unity, for the sake of mission. Um, and, and just know that it's okay to experiment and try new things so that we can get better results to reach your kids, your grandkids, your friends, your neighbors, the people that have fallen away and the people that don't even know Jesus yet. We have a purpose. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Any closing thoughts from you, Lorraine? No, not really. I think we've about covered it, haven't we? It's I think confusing. So. <laughs> do, do, do we probably do we leave people more confused, or do you think? Oh, or? I hope not. I really hope not. But I think I loved the way that you said it really is about who we're trying to reach and about mm. fruitfulness. And that's the main thing. And I heard a lot around humility. It, it's not about it's not about me, it's about where we're going mm -hmm. and how can we support, you know, our community, our pastor mm -hmm. and the people around us to all be rowing in that same direction and it might look different in different places but it's about fruitfulness and reaching those people that we love with the love of Jesus. Amen. 
Yeah. Amen. And so if you're listening today and you're thinking that was helpful and great, send us a note. Tell us what was helpful because this was a wonderful conversation. Clearly, you could tell it wasn't completely planned out, but they <laughs> never are. These podcasts are conversations <laughs> on leadership issues that hopefully will stimulate conversations in your head or your church and your relationships. But if there's anything that landed that made sense, if it brought clarity, would you send us a, a note and let us know? Go to HuntleyLeadership.com. And uh, if you haven't subscribed yet, please subscribe to our newsletter and, and uh, we'll keep you posted of, of things that are coming out. But also, if this left questions, if it caused confusion, let us know that too, because we'd love to address it. And, and sorry if that's the case, um, but we would love to know. And if this has been helpful, then by all means, share it with people and, and continue the conversation. We've developed a, a course recently specifically for parish pastoral councils, a four-part video series that we did for a diocese. And, and if something like that might be helpful to your church, let us know and we could tell you a little bit more about that uh, offering that we have. But thank you for listening. <laughs> it's been a fun conversation. Lorraine, I always love talking to you. I learned what playgroups are now in Australia. That's totally cool. <laughs> and uh, you know, you've just got so much experience uh, in the church helping people. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so whenever we have these conversations, I, I just find them a ton of fun. So thank you. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. I want to encourage you, as you lead this week, be faithful to God and generous to others. See you next time. And remember, if you're still breathing, you are powered for impact.